What's up, everybody? This is Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the Jude 3 Project. And I want to apologize before we even start uh, for just the sporadic nature of the podcast over this last month or two. As we were preparing for Courageous Conversations, it got crazy, which, by the way, Courageous Conversations was amazing. I want to thank all of you who attended, who live streamed. Um, who have been talking about it online and sending such encouraging messages. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. It was amazing, and I can't wait to do it again in 2020. We'll be making an announcement about that soon. So be prepared to register, um, and we'll be releasing the state, the place, all of that, um, and some of the topics as well. So we are excited about that. One of the challenges as we're growing is that we're understaffed. And so one of the ways that we increase our staff is to increase our monthly support. And so if you are listening and you've been deeply impacted by the Jew 3 Project, consider becoming a monthly supporter. No gift is too small or too large. Um, You can give at Jew3Project.com. There's an address on there. So you can mail in your gift if you would like, or you can become a monthly subscriber on the website by on our on donating online so that is an option for you too i greatly appreciate those who are already monthly supporters like i always say every gift helps equip and we have some major major things coming up that i'm excited about and we can't do it without generous support from you Uh, we have we're still in the search for our headquarters that will be in jacksonville florida so be in prayer with us for that Um, we're looking to increase our staff and we just have so many other things coming up with HBCU tour stops and some other things that we're excited about. So be in prayer with us about that and consider becoming a monthly supporter. If you go to g3project.com, you'll see there's an update on our website that we're excited about. And um, yeah, it's I really, I really love it. It, it looks pretty to me. Uh, that might be the girl side of me. But uh, <laughs> um, I'm so thankful um, because we can't do what we do in these improvements without the generous support of you all. So uh, without further ado, I don't want to hold you too long. We're going to get into back into our um, Church Hurt series. We have Pastor Cornelius Lindsay, and I think you're going to enjoy, enjoy what he had to say. So let's get into today's episode. Hello, welcome to the Jew 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew 3 Project. All right, well, thank you for watching another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew 3 Project. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, someone who I met, I believe it was last year. Uh, yeah. We both served on the Ann Campaign Council together, um, the Reverend Dr. Cornell. <laughs> 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 What's up, uh, what's up, Cornelius? See, we're going to do that already, Lisa. We're going to do that already. <laughs> what's up? For those who, who don't know who you are, give the, them um, just a little bit of background. Sure. Um, I'm a pastor in, in Atlanta church, in, in Atlanta church, in Atlanta, Georgia, um, married to an amazing wife, uh, Heather Lindsay, and I have three beautiful kids. A uh, six-year-old, a three-year-old, almost a four-year-old, and eleven-month-old, and almost one-year-old. So, uh, yeah, 
I live a pretty boring life and I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, today we're going to continue on our Church Hurt series. Um, at the last episode, we had Pastor Daryl Ford on. He also serves on the End Campaign Leadership Council. Um, but he talked about his experience growing up uh, with Church Hurt and seeing the ugly side of church. And as we delve into different types of Church Hurt, I thought it would be good to talk about leadership manipulation. Um, because I think that's something that a lot of people are wrestling with. Um, a lot of leaders have experience with, they've been manipulated by other leaders. Um, a lot of people have um, an interesting father-son dynamic when it comes to spiritual leadership that could sometimes be perverted or manipulated. Um, how have you seen that play out and what have your personal experiences been with, with leadership and, um, and maybe manipulation? You know, I have... Um... <laughs> I've, I've experienced it, tried to forget it, needed counseling because of it. Um, I was actually told by a leader, uh, I, I asked him one day, I said, why are you so mean to me? And he said, I have to break you down in order to build you back up. And yeah. um, there was one time I started crying because this was a person who I respected a person who I listened to. I called him Dr. Pastor Dad because he was he was everything to me that that I wanted. Um, that I wanted, I, you know, in a in a father. And uh, I, I started crying one day because he was just so mean. It just felt like it just all compounded, and I'm I got tears running down my eyes. It was like that 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 feeling of being angry but also being sad, more so angry. And I felt like I wanted to hit him, but then I felt like I needed to just calm down. And um, I looked at him and I said, I feel like you treat me like I'm your dog. And he said, he said to me, he said, you know what? You're right. You are my dog. When I say roll over, you roll over. When I say fetch, you fetch. When I say move, you move. And I felt so defeated. I felt like I got I got to be more than this. It was another time um, um, there was somebody who was talking to me and, and I, I uh, somebody asked me for my name in front of them. They said, hey, what's your name? And I said, my name is Cornelius. And in front of everybody in the room, he said, he said, you're a statue. You don't talk. You're, yeah. not, you're nobody. You're, you, you just stand there. You stand there until until I call on you and you just stand there. You're, you're nothing. You're nobody. And I remember having to go home plenty of nights and having to look in the mirror and over and over tell myself, I am somebody. With tears coming down my face, I am somebody. I am somebody to continue to remind myself of that question. So when you ask the question, you know, going through it, it's something that I have gone through. It's something that, you know, I've had, I've had to grind my teeth about. I think, and it has helped me to develop a new relationship on how to treat those who are coming behind me, who come to me for that type of support and that type of advice to really try to encourage and empower them rather than making them feel like, like they're, they're pretty much disposable. Mm -hmm. yeah. What do, do you think in black church spaces that it's more common? Um, because I know that people deal with, uh, <laughs> people are dealing with father wounds, yeah. father, mother wounds. So it makes them, um, much more, I guess, easily manipulated if it's unhealed. Yeah. Um, do you think that plays a, a role in it? 
Absolutely, I do. I, I you know, I've, I've had an opportunity to serve in in, in white churches. Uh, I've also I necessarily served, but I've visited Hispanic churches and stuff like that. And I'm quite confident they have they have their own issues where this comes about because a lot of ego that comes into play when you get certain positions, when you get certain powers. You know, now when I sit back and I look at I look at I look at the leaders that I served, I realized that they spent most of their time by themselves. It was very difficult for them to trust people. Uh, and because you're by yourself, you're not, you don't necessarily have that type of accountability who can look at you and say, you need to lower yourself. You need to calm down. You're not as big as what you think you are because you have thousands, if not millions of people who know your name. Who are listening to you? You have you have stadiums that are packed to listen to you. You have your church that are packed with thousands of people, tens of thousands of people on a Sunday morning. People who are watching you across the world. People who are watching your broadcast. Millions of people who are buying your books, and you almost get this air that you are somebody, and you almost feel like you know. I, I hear it all the time. It's like an Elijah Alicia type relationship. It's almost like, well, if you want the anointing that I have, then you got to adhere to what I want. You got to do what I want. You got to do. And it's almost like you know, it's like they forget that <laughs> I don't really want what's on you because what's on you is so mean that I don't know if I get that. <laughs> and, I, you know, that happened for me when I my marriage, my first two years of my marriage were, was affected because of it. No, my wife looked at me and she was like, you know, you can be so mean sometimes. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm, I, I had to finally come down and break it down. I'm angry. I was so angry because of the volatile type of environment that I was in. But is it a black church type of thing? I, I think that I think it is predominant in the black church. I think that, you know, and this is only my theory from looking at it. But I, I think that there are there are a lot of wounds that are out there because we don't know what it's like to be truly fathered. Um, and then on top of that, because of our slavery dynamic. When you and when you take a group of people outside of their natural habitat and you put them in a foreign land. And even though you give them certain rights in a foreign land, and then you and then you you still put years of Jim Crow laws, years of discrimination saying, you know, this is we're going to give you some type of liberty and freedom. Yet in the liberty we give you, we're still going to restrict you from really having full identity. And then you kind of slowly break away from those things. And we can kind of be free ish. You, your people, those people, they lose their identity. So although you want us to identify as being American, we have to ask ourselves, what kind of American are we? Are we as full-bodied American as the as the other person down the street? So because of that, I think that even in church comes this type of um, a slavery type of dynamic. Well, I see a lot of, uh, as, as a pastor, I'm, I'm very free-flowing. When people come to our church, you're like, hey, I got gifts and talents. What should I do with them? Like they come to me and say, I, I got a gift of healing. And I'm like, well, go to a hospital. Like, what do you want me to do with it? <laughs> you know, a hospital. There's a lot of people who are sick. What, what you want me to do with it? But, but nowadays, it, it almost seems like the, the in the black church, you want they want the pastor to hold their hand. They want to be told what to do and how to do it. And, you know, you can't use your gift and you got to submit your gift to me and only lay hands when I tell you to. And so it almost becomes a type of slavery type of dynamic where we we, we, we have to be told what to do. And then that kind of gives more room for the ego of the of the pastor or the elder the deacon to kind of override and become more of a dictator than than a necessarily leader for those who are listening what are some safeguards do you think they could put in place to help them not become prey um to 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 uh bad leadership um you know, as difficult as this may be, <clears throat> I think this is extremely important. And that's to know who you are before you get connected to somebody else. Mm. 
Um, there is nothing wrong with, with honoring a leader. In fact, that is biblical. We honor our leaders. But if you don't know who you are before you get connected to somebody else, you'll begin to idolize the person and you'll forget about, you'll, you'll forget all about God. And you'll, you, your, your, your life will be, will become a part of idolizing a leader rather than just recognizing that person is there to teach and to train you to kind of help you to go and to be obedient to what God told you to do. So I think number one, it'll be, you know, what, what is it? Who, who am I outside of all of this? And then uh, number two, serve. But when you serve, know that you're serving, you're serving God. You're not serving the man. You're not serving the woman that you're, you're, you're literally, you're, I'm, I'm doing this not of a service for you. I'm doing this because of a service to God. I love you. I honor you. But at the same time, I'm, I'm serving, I'm serving God by doing this. And then I, I would say number three, um, have a good village of people around you, have a good support system around you who can help to detect toxic situations. Um, Unfortunately, well, I can't even say I didn't have that. You know, I, I had, I had, I have like, my, I have an older sister. My sister would tell me all the time. I would talk a little bit about what was going on. My sister would be like, they ain't healthy. And I'm like, you know, I'd be like, well, you ain't really all that saved. Why are you going to tell me what's healthy or not? But she was so right. And back then, you know, if I wish I would have listened to my support system to tell me when they were like, that's not healthy. Like that is not healthy. He should not be talking to you like that. And I'm like, yeah, but that's my job. And I didn't have anything. I was broke. I was a, I'm a college dropout, you know, and I thought, you know, I'm doing all this stuff and it, and, and it seems good for the moment, but having a good support system that you respect enough to listen to who's around you to say, that's not healthy. That needs to change. Uh, you need to have that because they can see things that you cannot see. Mm -hmm. You mentioned it's important to honor your leaders. And I, I totally agree. When does honor become toxic? You know, honor is all about making sure that God is glorified. You know, when, when people say, you know, when the Bible says, honor your honor your mother and your father, that your days shall be longer, obey them. It, it's very specific. It's talking about make sure that you leave a good name for them in the earth. And that is that's good honor. When I say I honor God, that means that I'm going to live my life in such a way that I leave my I leave a good name for him. That when people come to my tombstone, when they when when, when my epitaph is written, that they say this man honored God. And now God is truly honored because because they say that this man lived in a way that gave him honor. So whenever whenever instructions are given. That takes away true honor from God and takes away true glory from God, then that in line is a problem. And I didn't realize that back then. It was like, you know, I thought honoring your leader means that whatever your leader says, you do. And that's not that's not the case. When when the leader is obviously doing something that is wrong, I have to I have to be able to stand up for myself and say, I, I will not partake in that because ultimately God won't be honored. Now, in our world of social media, that does not mean going on social media and blasting the person out and writing a blog around them and put them on a YouTube video so everybody else can come on your side. And this is what the leader is doing wrong. I do believe that there, there comes there comes a time of being able to, to have a type of confrontation, a healthy confrontation, healthy conversation, say, this isn't right. I won't do that. If you have to fire me because of it, you fire me. But that's OK. If I have to resign, I'll resign. But I'm just not comfortable with doing that. That's the line we're honor. When you when you're saying I'm I'm dishonoring God now, I say I can't do it. And then that's the line that I draw. It. I, I, I won't go any further. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's a helpful distinction, because I know many young preachers who've been misled into to a lot of craziness and foolery following behind people that they respect yeah. um, because they think they could get away with it. So 
I can, God still is anointing them. He's mm-hmm. still using them. So it must not be anything wrong with it. And they mistake God's use for God's approval. Come on. It's so damaging. You know, I always reference in the book of, in the Old Testament, when Saul was chasing David and um, the Bible says that after Saul was rejected, the Holy the Spirit of the Lord fell upon him and he began to prophesy. He's already rejected, but God is still overshadowing him with his spirit, not because he is giving him glory, but because yeah. he's protecting David. So God is using um, his spirit on Saul, not as approval of him, but just to protect the one he has approved. Come so on. I think when we misunderstand God's use of a person, God uses the devil. It doesn't mean, I mean, anything about him is, is good. Um, then we we can be misled in that way. So I think it's, it's helpful that we make that distinction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for those who are listening and say, you know, I've been, I've dealt with leaders who have been toxic. And so I don't want to follow any other leader. Um, the solution sometimes is to not submit to anyone because you've had bad people that you submitted to in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some healthy ways to think about it and not to jettison all leadership? Yeah. You have to realize that every that um, a couple bad people who hurt you does not represent everybody. And I hear a lot about church hurt and, you know, rightfully so. And that's why I get I get so empathetic with people who are hurt by it because I was hurt by it. You know, after 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 my after my 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 journey through it. Yeah, I was so hurt that I was like, I don't want to serve anymore. I got to the point where I I didn't want to go to church. And then I was like, okay, I know I'm going to go to church. So I started going to church. I I, I didn't want to go to a black church. I went to a white church. I went to a white church and I was like, you know, I don't, I, I, I went to a white or predominantly white church and, you know, I was like, well, I'll just, I'll kind of serve here. And then it was kind of weird. So I, like, I don't want to do that anymore. Then I went to a bigger white church and I was like, you know, they, they finish in an hour and an hour and five minutes. So I was like, I'm gonna just keep doing this because this seems right. And I was just kind of going, sitting down, going, sitting down and, you know, getting, getting whatever was the popcorn message. And I kind of got it and I kind of left. And, um, even then, I, the Lord was still dealing with me. I never forget. I was having a conversation uh, with one with one of my friends, and and uh, he was like, "Man," he said, "So what are you going to do?" And I said, "I don't know. I said, I'm just kind of just finished with the whole church thing. I'm kind of done with it." And he said, "He said maybe you're done with it, but is God done with you?" Mm. And I was like, "You know what? I don't know." But I was so I was so mad at that point. Where I was like, "I don't really care. I don't really care if he is. I was I was upset with God at the moment. So I was like, God, how could you let this happen? And then I was upset at the situation. I was upset at so much. And, I, and then I finally realized I kind of I tried to put a different perspective on it. And I said, you know what? This is what I experienced. And if I experience, I believe that God can even he can take bad situations and he can make them out to a good thing. So I want to use what I experienced. I want to make that a good thing and be able to help people with it. Um, so I realized that just because I was hurt by a couple of them didn't mean that I had to I had to I had to throw everybody away. In fact, it, I was so hurt for many years that when people used to talk about spiritual fatherhood, I would completely reject it and dismiss it. I was trying to find ways on how it was not biblical. Because I was so hurt by it. I'm like, there is no way that anybody could do this. Because even even after those situations that happened. I had other elders that I reached out to, other other pastors I reached out to, and 
I'm like, you know, I just, I want help. Can you help me? And it was like, well, you can, I, you, I'll help you, but in order for me to help you, I got to become part of your ministerial alliance. I got to give into your, your ministry. Like, I don't have anything. I don't have anything to give you. I have nothing to give you. And it's like, you know, if they didn't want money, then they wanted sex. They didn't want sex and they wanted they wanted my voice. And I'm like, well, I don't really have a voice to give you. Well, you can come to my church. You can be one of my spiritual sons. You kind of go through this program. I don't, I just want you to help me. Like help me with small things. Like, you know, help me understand social security tax exemption as a minister. Like help me with stuff like that. And uh, and I just couldn't get it. So I just kind of pushed it all away. And up until probably last year was when I finally got healed to such a point where I said, you know what, God, I need help. I need leaders to submit to. And that's when I finally found guys who I said, I can submit to these guys. So um, so those who are listening and you're, you're saying, well, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can ever respect anybody else again. I'm going to tell you this. It is a process. It's a process of healing. But don't throw everything out just because you had a couple bad people who hurt you. Mm-hmm. One of the things that happens is when um, when we try to create new experiences with new people, um, there's always emotional landmines that oh, are there because yeah. people are going to re- do something that's similar. That's not even that their intentions are not that, but because of the personal um, emotional landmines we have, we can often get easily swayed from mm-hmm of those how do you how do you safeguard yourself or how do you navigate that i believe that i believe that healthy conversation solves 99 percent of the problems and i'm one I'm, I'm a confrontational type of guy not confrontational to the sense that i have to be belligerent but when there is a when there is a specific heightened need or something that i see that could eventually become a problem i want to converse about it and so i have been known to call up you know, call up my pastors and say, hey, you know, you you said that you were going to that you said you're going to help, but you didn't help me. And that hurt because I've been in that situation before and I'm calling you and I'm talking to you about this because I'm I'm learning to trust you. And because I've already been hurt and I'm learning to trust you. And when you when you tell me things, you don't do them. You're teaching me not to trust you. And I want to be able to respect you. And that that happened recently, where I had a, a uh, you know spiritual dad who said, uh, "Spiritual father said I'm going to help you," and he he just kind of went ghost. And I was like, "Well, what happened? Tell me what happened. Did I do something wrong? Like, was it me? Were you just busy?" He was like, "Well, you know, I got so busy, and you know, I did this, did that, and that's completely fine. I get it. I get. It. I got a lot of stuff going on. You got a lot of stuff going on. You're traveling around the whole world. I get it. I see. I see what you're doing. That's not the issue." The issue is I got to deal with this. I got to communicate this to you because what I don't want to happen is I don't want that root of bitterness to store up inside of my soul to such a point that now I don't deal with it, which was something I did in the past. I just let it sit there and fester. And then you just you did something else and then added something else and added something else. So when I when I hear him say, I got busy, I'm so sorry. Let me make a phone call right now. And I say, OK, thank you. He made the phone call and I realized he, it was no malice behind it. It was nothing behind it, but I don't want to sit down and and meditate over what I think happened. So I think healthy conversation solves 99 percent of the problems. Just talk about it. And if you're in a situation where you can't talk to your leader in a healthy manner, then that is a good red flag. That's a good indication that you're probably not in the healthiest form of leadership. Mm-hmm. For those leaders who are listening that have maybe manipulated people and sometimes manipulation can not be always intentional it could be like 
you start to notice like, oh, I can I can have this person do this because they respect me in this way. Mm -hmm. And then over time you become a master manipulator. I don't know if anybody sets out and says, I'm just going to manipulate a whole group of people. Uh, usually it's gradual. Yeah. Uh, some people are that conniving and evil, but some people, I don't want to say they manipulate people on accident, but it becomes something that they've seen. So they think maybe this is the way in which you get stuff done. Um, how would you advise them um, to think differently about their, their ways of leading people who are vulnerable? Yeah. Those leaders are going to the people, the people they're leading, they're going to lead somebody else. And it's just going to become systematic. It's going to become progressional. And that person is going to now inflict the same damage onto somebody else. And to be truth, to be honest about it, they're going to inflict that same damage onto their family. And you're hurting them. It's like you're, you're literally putting them in a bad situation. And nowadays, more than ever, we need for our leaders to be, <clears throat> to be in a position where, where they don't feel like they're in bondage to leaders. But to those leaders who are out there who are doing it, it's like you really have to see these people for who they are. Number one, I, I, crazy thing, Lisa, I got, you know, I have pastors in Atlanta who call me and say, you took one of my members. I'll be like, I took one. I, I, didn't, I didn't call them. I didn't, call, I didn't ask them to come. I didn't ask them to join. But most importantly, brother, I got I to gotta tell you, they're not yours. Like there's only one true shepherd. There's only one true shepherd. I'm an under shepherd. You're an under shepherd. Wherever they go, the, the, the good thing about the church is that we should all be one big body that if you choose to go over here, then that's great. But we're doing this. It's, it's, it's all functional. They're, they're, we're all functional. We're all working together. I tell people every Sunday at the go, hey, if you want to join this church, that's great. I believe this is a great church. But Atlanta is filled with a lot of great churches. My goal is not to just get you here. My goal is to get you plugged in somewhere so I can help you get plugged in in a church that's in your community. Go there. But get plugged in somewhere because they're not mine. So as a leader, if we if we stop hoarding people and if we stop looking at these people like they're mine, and if you leave me, then then you won't be a part of me anymore. You can't have my blessing. You can't have my anointing. And if we start looking at people as though they they are the Lord's and and loving them, truly loving them, and and seeing seeing how we can benefit their lives, and not just seeing how they can benefit ours, like the the young guys who. You know, I have the honor of being able to lead. My objective when I get with them is not trying to figure out how they can help me. Because as a father, if I, with my sons, with my kids, I look and I say, as a father, my kids don't really have anything to offer me. But I have everything to really offer them. So when I get with my, with my sons, like, I want to be able to help them. How can I help you? Well, okay, what's your new project you're working on? How can I, okay, let, let, me, let me steer you in this direction. Let me help you here. So number one, they're, they're, they're not yours. Uh, number two, they belong to the Lord. And number three, the pain you inflict on them is going to be inflicted on somebody else. And you need to be the one that breaks it, not the one that empowers it. Amen. Well, I think that's a good place, place to leave it. What, uh, what would be your final words and how can people get in contact with you on social media? Yeah. So, um, you know, being, being hurt, being hurt and, and, and having uh, leadership manipulation is, is not an easy thing. Uh, for those who are listening, I would say that um, God, God, God loves you. Um, you know, if nobody's nobody else has ever told you just because you've been hurt 
you're still needed in the church. You're still needed. Your 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 gifts are still needed. Your service is still needed. You are not a mistake. Um, just because you are hurt does not mean that <clears throat> does not mean that that you cannot be used. Just because you are damaged does not mean that you cannot still serve. Just because you are you are in bondage does not mean you cannot be set free. You are significant. And no matter what anybody else tells you, nobody, if you never hear this from anybody else, I want you to hear from me that you are significant. You're significant to me. I need you and the body to do your part because if you don't do your part, that means somebody else has to do it. And you are anointed to do this regardless of what anybody else has ever said about you, no matter what anybody else has ever done to you. Uh, so to you, um, nations are waiting on your obedience. They're, they're waiting for you. And I know you're hurt. I know you're upset. I know you're mad. And I want you to deal with that. And here's the thing. If you're, <clears throat> if you're mad at God about it, I want to be honest with you. God is already aware that you're mad at him and he can handle it. So don't run from him because you think he can't run to him because he can and he can he can heal you of it. And to the leaders who are doing it, man, I, I pray that I pray that your insecurity is healed. Uh, I pray that you find true accountability. I pray that you find a true support system. I pray that you find true identity to know that you don't have to put other people down or to make your in order to make yourself feel important. Uh, if you want to find me on social media, uh, I am on uh, Instagram. This is Cornelius. Uh, Twitter is this is Cornelius, I believe. And Facebook, I'm Cornelius Lindsay. And you can go to CorneliusLindsay.com. That's my website. But Lisa, I appreciate you having me. Thank you for uh, being on here. I appreciate your time as an um, archbishop. I know. Um, <laughs> so, so valuable um, over there with the office. <laughs> All right, Lisa. This is game plan. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm just joking. I really appreciate you. Appreciate the work you're doing in Atlanta and across the country. Um, God bless you, and thank you for watching another episode of the G3 Project. Here, we're helping you know what you believe and why you believe it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.jew3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well so thank you so much for tuning in also remember we have our bible engagement app in partnership with back to the bible to help you get better engaged in the bible every single day you take a survey it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you bible verses based on those so it's a great app you can download the app by searching in your app store or google play searching juke3 project and it'll be right there for you so thank you again remember if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver you can do so on our website or by mail just go to juke3project.com hit that donate tab and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online we appreciate you and i'm so so thankful for you God bless. And remember, here at the Jupe 3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.